Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss all things Amazon private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. Get it? AM, PM podcast. As a matter of fact, this past weekend, I was walking around Naples Island at night. That's a place out here in Orange County. While I was walking around, checking out all the Christmas joy, I was making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hey guys, I am here with Brock Johnson. Brock Johnson is, uh, is unique in a lot of different ways. We've got a 25-year-old from Minnesota that's only been doing private label since March of 2017, and he's gone from $0 to $6 million in sales in just six months. So that's got me very curious. I've got a lot of questions for him. And before you were doing that, Brock, you were dabbling in wholesale and retail arbitrage and then going to school. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Was doing retail arbitrage for about um, what, two years on and off, and yeah, I was doing that. And then you know, I tired of trading my time for money and found something more scalable. Cool, cool. Well, welcome to the show. I've got. To, are you ready for the uh, the barrage of questions that are going to be coming? Because this is a, a unique yes, story. Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> perfect. Um, one other little thing that I should mention. I don't even know if it's that little. It's pretty unique. You proposed to your wife in outer space, right? Yes, yes, I did. That was one of the nice things. So I was doing the retail arbitrage and kind of wholesale for two years. And what basically Radio Shack was going out of business. And I went to over 300 stores around the nation and was just buying their stuff up at fire sale. But they would close in rounds. So there'd be like 10 days where I could go make like $30,000. And then I wouldn't have work for two months. So I would just invent in the downtime until the next round came. And yeah, so I wanted to do something pretty special. And worked for about six months all day, every day, and was, was able to go and propose to my wife in, in space. And, you know, that's just kind of the guy I am. Like I like to just go all out and do crazy stuff. Nice. All right. And what was this thing in space? It was, was you shot a rocket or something up? Is that what it was? Essentially this giant weather balloon. Like if you ever seen the video about how that guy jumped from space with Red Bull, I essentially did that. But instead of like sending a person down, I sent just like I made like a Kindle screen and I hacked it and then put like a kind of like a slideshow on there and then put a ring on there and a GoPro and then like mechanically built it so that it would open this ring box up in space and then say like, will you marry me? That's very cool. Very unique. So awesome. Well, I think you've got a pretty unique story here with your business as well. Um, zero to six million. How did that happen? Tell us what that process was. How did you make six million bucks in such a short amount of time? Well, through a lot of hard work and research, and the key is obviously you got to catch to go and scale that fast. You have to have something where the ROI is just there. Like it can't just be 100% ROI. So basically what I did was I caught on to solar eclipse glasses and I thought of it in January and I realized this is going to be huge. Like the whole nation is going to see this. And then I went on to Amazon and there wasn't really, the, well, there was people selling it. There was, there's probably 20 people there selling them, but I don't know. They just weren't very good in my opinion. So I was like, all right, well, even though, even if there's 10 million people, if I could capture 1% of the market, I could do hundred thousand, you know, sell a hundred thousand of these glasses or something. So that, that was kind of the way that it, that like my thought process started. Um, 
And then, yeah. Okay. So, so you sold solar eclipse glasses. What was your startup capital? Yeah. So my startup capital, well, my first order that I did was about $7,500. Okay. And 70, and how many, how many glasses would that get you? That got me about 25,000. So, okay. All right. And how, yeah. how many did you end up selling overall by the time it was all said and done? In total, I sold over a million glasses. A million. All right. So you were able, so when did you start selling the glasses online initially? Yeah. So I started selling them in about mid-March. Mid-March. Okay. And then the Eclipse yep. wasn't, what was that, August? Is that when it was? Yeah. Yep. So I had about six months, uh, you know, sales to get in there. So how did you know, well, I guess I should ask when you had a million, at what, to, at what point did you have your largest order and how much, how many units were that, or was that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so I say that, let's see. Oh, one, one thing unique, I, I sourced from the USA. So that really helped with my lead times and, and everything in this whole process. What I did was, I think, ooh, it had to have been June. Mid-June was when I had to place my absolute final order, or it was early June, I don't remember exactly. But, you know, I just had to do crazy calculations and, and, and everything. And so I, what I figured was, it's like, okay, there's gonna be this giant procrastination curve. So I looked at Google shopping trends for Halloween, for, J- or, uh, for New Year's, for Thanksgiving. I just looked at them for everything that like is seasonal or Super Bowl. And I figured everybody, no matter what the event, they're all gonna procrastinate the same and have the same buying pattern. So I extrapolated that type of information. And then I was looking at my sales numbers and calculating every day and the whole market. And so then I just extrapolated that out and said, well, you know, like I'm not selling that many right now, but if my math is right, I'm gonna sell a whole bunch at the end. And you know, it was the last six, 17 days I did, Four million. Seventeen days. Four million. Wow. What was your biggest yeah, sales? Four million dollars in sales. Uh, my biggest sales day was ooh, four hundred ninety-eight thousand dollars, and <laughs> that was August fifteenth, I think. Nice. Just shy of half a million bucks in one day. Yeah, that was crazy. You had all this. You had all this inventory coming in. Did you have any leftover inventory when it was all said and done? Yeah, still got a hundred thousand glasses. Hundred thousand. So, what do you do with those hundred thousand? Do you wait until the, the next year? Oh, they just sit in my cold garage and I uh, don't know what I'm going to do with them. There's a, there's an eclipse in South America in 2019. So, and then, yeah, the next one here isn't for seven years, unfortunately. So, so how you said you source these in the USA, uh, everybody's always going to China because you can get things typically so much cheaper. And, um, did you do the USA because of the lead time specifically, or was it something else? No, I did it because they were the only people that didn't suck. They didn't suck. So define suck. What was, uh, what was wrong with all the define other ones? Define suck as lying about certifications, saying that it's a material that it's not, literally forging fake documents saying that, yes, this is certified and safe when they're not. That's what suck defines as to me. Yeah, that's, that's not good. <laughs> Over 70 manufacturers that I went through in China. I wanted to go to China. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to package these in my house. You know, I wanted to go through China, but there's... Um, there's, you gotta be very careful when you source from China. If, I mean, if it's just like a silicone baking mat, yeah, you don't need to be that careful. Yeah, but with, with things that are, are more dangerous and stuff, they're gonna, you've really gotta do some vetting because uh, you know, you have 70 of these and I had five of them literally forge documents and lie to me. Really, how did you know that these things weren't, um, they didn't have the certifications? Because I did all my due diligence, I literally read the scientific papers and contacted all of the certification bodies and I read all of the science. 
behind it. And then what I did was I started to get um, actual uh, samples from them. And then I, what I was doing was I was just, I was like looking into the constituents of what the actual materials would need to be. And I did some research and like, you can look at the weight of what, like if you look at the periodic table, you could tell what the weight is and you could like do all these calculations. And I'm like, no, this isn't the right material. This, this none, none of this is right. And you know, it, it took me to a bunch of digging deep and there, there was over a hundred different private labelers that did this and they all went to China. And you know what? They all got screwed because they didn't do their due diligence. Uh, I'm going to want to touch on that. That's, that's super interesting. Um, I want to, before we get there though, um, cause it's very, it's super interesting to me how you took $7,500 and turned that into 6 million. Was that, were you just rolling the profits back into the business or did you have oh, to go out yeah, and yeah. grab more money somewhere else? Well, luckily, you know, my, my supplier let me pay with a credit card. Okay. All right. Well, so that helps. How big was your, <laughs> your biggest order? How much did you have to put on that card? My biggest order? Ooh. Yeah, there was about, uh, I'd say the, my biggest order was about a hundred grand. Okay. Wow. And how many times do you think you ordered from the time you launched in March until you were done? How many actual I shipments? I probably ordered, I probably ordered 15 times. 15 times. Okay, cool. So Yeah, so I actually made a whole brand around the Eclipse too, though. It wasn't just glasses. Oh, so okay. I also had like, I made, I, I segmented and I did the whole market. So I was like, okay, well, people want some some actual paper glasses, but what, what, what are you going to do to make yourself unique? If I just would have done that, I wouldn't have been successful. What then? I said, okay. And I got like really custom designs, the best designs in, in the world made. But then I also think, well, there's going to be women that are going to be buying. There's going to be people buying for children. There's going to be science teachers. So making different designs to meet all of those different types of people. But then there's going to be like the premium rich people that want something a little better than these, you know, flimsy paper glasses. So I also actually made my own, like these really high end goggles that like I ended up sourcing frames from China and then like glass from over in Europe that there's the only place in the world that made it. So made my own goggles, but then there's also like professional people. So they're going to want to take pictures with their cameras and their telescopes. So I also made, um, and found the right manufacturers and got like cut so you can make your own custom things for telescopes. So I, I realized it was going to be a big trend and I took the whole market and thought of everyone. Like if I just would have done the simple private label, like your typo, typical guy and bought something from China, maybe I would have made 50 grand, but then it would have gone to shit, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But. So, so what percentage of your sales of the 6 million would you say came from the paper glasses? From the paper glasses, I would say that that was probably 60, 60%. So what, what's a, if, uh, tell me if you can't talk about this, but what's a paper glass costs here in the U S versus what it costs in the, it costs in China to actually manufacture. Well here it's a quarter in China. It was like 10 cents. Okay. So pretty, pretty big difference. And that's just because they weren't using the same same materials for the lenses, I guess, is the lens, is that yeah, what they different? weren't using the same materials? They weren't certified. They didn't have the same safety procedures. Um, you know, like <laughs> they'll cut corners and even, yeah. How did you find uh, this company in the U S what service did you use or how'd you track them down? Um, I used Google actually. There you go. <laughs> I, uh, I just like, I just literally, I read into all the scientific all the research and I just started vetting and vetting. And then eventually when you find what the constituents of the material are, then I was able to reverse engineer it like that. And so instead of, I just thought, okay, well, how am I gonna, if I just put these materials on Google, then the, 
there's probably only so many websites that talk about these specific materials. And then I was able to reverse engineer from that. So maybe some keywords are more competitive and you're not going to be able to find that manufacturer like that. But if it's a very unique like constituents, you could, you know, search engine like that. Okay. So I'm going to focus since it's 60% of it came from one product versus all your variations. I'll just focus on that for a second. You're buying these things for a quarter. Um, what were you selling them for initially? And then uh, did you maintain that price point the whole time? Oh, I probably, I think in total on all my listing, I did over a thousand price changes. So yeah, yeah, I was updating my price every single day. Up or down, what um, were you doing typically? Well, up, down, I was just, because there was such volatility that I was able to get, um, I was able to get that data really, really fast. So I was able to learn just because there was such search volume, I was able to learn about five years of lessons in six months, because what are you going to do an AB test and you're in a low volatility market? Maybe it takes you a week to learn. Well, I got to learn that in three hours. So yeah, yeah. Cause you had yeah. so much data. What, what, um, price point were you selling at typically? What was kind of the range? Well, I started out at, let's say oh, about $2 per glass total, but obviously you had to sell them in bundles. You know, I wasn't, but nobody, not people that are buying cheap paper glasses, they didn't want to buy just one, you know, they're buying for the whole family, the whole group or, or everything. So it was, uh, yeah, about $2 a glass is where I ended up starting out. And you were bundling them. Uh, so if they're two bucks, you'd sell like four at a time to kind of get that price point up or something like that or more. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere from, uh, anywhere from three to, well, three was near the end when I increased the price, but anywhere from uh, three to 50. Three to 50. Okay. Yeah. All right. And what would three run typically? With three, uh, well, I didn't add three until the very end because I had this, so nobody was buying impacts of three in the beginning. It was only people that were planning ahead. Okay. You know, science museums, teachers, families, so, so stuff like that. And so everybody started to do that. But I, I, I had this idea in like May that, wait, wait a minute, this is going to be the biggest thing on social media, but nobody knows about it yet. And the people that are going to buy at the last minute, it's just going to be them or they're like two small families. So I, um, the three packs, I actually ended up going, what, about $15 a glass, 15 or more for, for per glass, because, the, you know, I was just like, nobody did the math correctly. Well, there was one other guy that did the math correctly. So, um, so how much did you profit overall on the 6 million? People are listening right now. They're going, okay, yeah, he made 6 million. How much did he actually put in his pocket? Over three. Nice. All right. Well, that's great. All right. You're going to take some time off now soon, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it take a little bit of time off, but it's it, it was actually I already took my time off, and then uh, it was that that ended. You know, it's kind of like a depression for two weeks. So it's like I had no purpose, and then uh, right as soon as I started to work on stuff again, I was like, okay, life's good again. Cool. So, how do you handle the competition? Because once people start seeing your you know, you're taking off. You, you mentioned you, there was only like 20 people initially, and then it was over a hundred at some point. Right. Oh, um, and whoa, every, no, and, there was over 500, 500. And you said I'm the majority of them, 100 Americans, oh, okay. 100 Americans that did not do their due diligence. Yeah. So, so what happens in a scenario where everybody's got fake glasses, right? I imagine. What did you do? How did you, uh, cause there's a story there, right? Yeah. 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 Well, you see, there's actually, well, here's the bad thing. My product not only were there fake glasses coming from China, I had the best designs. My product ended up on Alibaba, okay? 
So, by the way, when you run numbers on Jungle Scout and you look, oh, look, that exact product is on Amazon or it's on Alibaba. Look at easy. No, it's not. That's somebody on Alibaba who said, oh, wait, we could get sales by putting the best products on Amazon and just taking those pictures and they're going to make some knockoff. So, like, I see a lot of people get baited into that. And I, it wasn't until I went through this that I learned that. So, yeah, there was over 70 just individual counterfeit listings of my product that were actually bad glasses, but they literally word for word copied my instructions on it. They said it was made by my manufacturer. They had my logo on it. They, they would jack everything and it, and, and it was crazy. Sorry, what, what was it? I got went on a rant there. What was the question? <laughs> Did you have a trademark on these by a chance? No, because you take six months to get a trademark. So and, you, you, know, you didn't have this in advance on the brand name. So how do you handle all of these people jumping on your, your IP at this point? What do you do? Because Amazon did something, if I remember correctly, they like blocked them all or put did something because of the yeah. dangers, right? People looking yeah, at yeah, yeah. So what I actually did is I went to these certification bodies and started contacting every scientific body that I knew of. And I literally took them and I sent them to the testing laboratories. And I said, these are not real. They um, say that they're made by me. I bought them from this Amazon listing. They're not real. 98% of the market is selling fake glasses. I'm one of the only people in the world that know about it. I don't know what to do. Nobody believed me. I, I went in the AMPM group. I posted about it. And, and nobody, nobody believed me either. And I said, hey, you could actually go back in the AMPM group, look at it. I posted in June and I said, this is gonna be one of the biggest stories in Amazon history. There's gonna be thousands of people that potentially get hurt and because of this big thing. And, and nobody believed me, but eventually I got the right certification body and the right guy. And I believe they contacted NASA and everything. And then they, NASA releases something. And then the you know, news agency started to pick up on it. And um, what happened then was Amazon did this extreme crackdown where they took everybody that didn't have the certification and boom, booted. Mm. Every, so everybody got booted. Did it affect you? Did they like include you in that sweep or were you immune initially? Um, uh, one third of my listings got, got taken down, but I, I, I was able to fight and get most of those back. Okay. All right, cool. So you got rid of Everybody, pretty much all your competition or the majority yeah, of them. I got rid of all of them legitimately. But like in the meantime, I still had hijackers every day. And that, that, oh, man, that was that was rough. But I was able to get them removed with um, a pretty interesting workaround, which I can't technically put in the public. But it, it was it worked and it was ethical. Uh, why can't you put it in the public? because I think it would start a shit storm because I was able to get over, I was able to get over 50 people removed from my listings without a trademark. So okay. I was able to get rid of, okay, not only I was able to get rid of people off of my listing. Um, and then you can also get rid of other listings too, but that's just like, I would never do that to anybody or I would never want anybody to do that to anyone, but it's possible. Um, and so like, but I know that the Chinese do it. Um, and I've had some of my friends, it happens to them. Basically the way that I knew everybody was lying because one of the special, one of the rules to get the certification was you had to have the manufacturer, print, manufacturer's address printed on the glasses. Okay. So that was one of the special, like, so it was just this easy test. So I could literally look at a listing and in four seconds, know, okay, that's, that's not certified. I know they lied about this. And then what they did was they refunded everybody that bought glasses that weren't certified. And so not only that, and then they emailed all, 
all those people. And they said, the glasses you bought are not safe. And then two months later, they sent everybody a bill for all the glasses that they sold and they allowed the customers to return it. So let's say you, you, you did a million in sales. Well, that million all got sent back and you probably got about 400,000 in returns. Oh, wow. So you just got hosed yeah. and you paid for the glasses. Yeah, that's crazy. So there's a lot of people out there that try to jump on to, uh, into this niche, this bandwagon, this gold mine uh, of a product, I guess. And in, in the end, they just got uh, erect them probably. Yeah, yeah. I bet there's some bankruptcies out there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. So that's interesting. Outside of the solar stuff that you've been doing, the solar clips, glasses and everything, um, have you moved on into other products now or are you just kind of figuring out what the next thing is going to be? Yeah. So I've got, I went, went out to the Canton Fair and um, I've been looking and I have, I have so many products that I can source right now and in the process of doing, but um, like I, I, I'm just kind of working right now on, you know, what, what, what can I do best? And like, I was able to growth hack extremely fast. And so I've actually partnered with, um, an eight, in, I'm helping out an eight figure seller and some other guys to just really growth hack their companies by, cause I mean, part of my success, I do my due diligence and I really focus on mathematically how you, you get things going, um, and, and, and really psychologically get into things. So I'm helping people, um, some bigger sellers on that front. And then, um, you know, just kind of sharing my knowledge and then, you know, as getting other products out here too. So that's kind of the path I'm on at this moment. Cool. Going back to, you know, building up that growth, that six, up to zero to six million. Um, do you have any hacks or tricks or anything that you did to get that initial ranking to get yourself visible in the first place? Yeah, 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 I do. It's, uh, it's this one thing called, it's, it's not very fun to talk about, but you just, you have the best product. That was my head. I launched, so let's say uh, the, 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 all the sales, like all my competitors were doing a hundred a day when I launched one of my products. You know how I launched it? A cell phone picture, two cell phone pictures, no PPC, no giveaways, no nothing. And it started to sell like five day, five a day. I got it all the way up to, I was selling that thing 200 to 300 units a day. I never did a launch. I never did anything. And um, obviously to get it to take off even more, I, I just really focused in on the psychology and the photos. But like, if you have the absolute best product, you don't need to do any hacks, nothing. Like it, it works. Yeah. And when you, when you were generating these 200 sales a day and you're first starting out um, relative to everybody else that was showing up for, uh, for the search terms people were searching for, uh, for this type of product, were you, better than all of those guys? I mean, were they all that bad? If you're taking photos with your cell phone and stuff, you know, how bad were they? They were actually pretty good. Yeah. It's just like I made actual improvements. So with that product, I made actual improvements. You know, I made a more premium quality product and, and just positioned it differently. Um, and I was way higher priced, like, you know, where people were paying $2 per glass, I'm three thirty dollars per product. You know, so just when you, if you have like something unique or really that adds value, yeah, okay, so maybe it's a bad picture and everything, but I don't, and there's only one review, but I don't care because that's the only product that meets, meets my needs or like that is offered like that. So, or with, with my glasses, even that I was able to rank those over all the other ones because it was just the best design. Like, I, they don't care that it's the most expensive. Yeah. 
Were you, were you running pay-per-click during this time? Yeah. Well, okay. So if you have, here's my rule. If you have a new invention or like a new feature, you don't even need to do any hacks. If you have just the same product as everyone else, but it's a better design, you still don't need to do any hacks. You can still just do pay-per-click though. You have to do pay-per-click to get it out there. Okay. So that's, that's what I did for that. And then if you just have the same product as everyone else and you just got a different logo, maybe a different pitch, then you got to do hacks. Okay. Like, you know, there's a, it just matters how inventive and different you are. Okay. What kind of hacks could you do if you, if you needed to get a little extra traction? If I needed to get some extra traction, um, I could generate reviews like, like crazy. So I do whatever I could to get reviews. Um, you know, obviously something like a viral launch is, is something that you would definitely want to do. Um, you can like, even like getting people to go to your listing and like, you know, just really like playing around and interacting with it. I, I know a lot of people don't talk about like time on page. Like I never hear anybody talk about that, but that's quite obviously a metric. Like look at, look at Google. They care about like how much you t- time spent on page, how many pictures you look through and stuff. So, um, just like getting, you gotta get people into doing stuff on your listing for you. And you know, like, so that, you know, that, that those would be the hacks. Okay. Did um, you, some other did you have enhanced, you didn't have enhanced brand content, right? Since you didn't have a trademark. Um, I actually did. You did. How does that work? Because, um, pretty good. Yeah. That, that's definitely helped. But I got into brand registry a week before they changed it to where you need it. Yeah. So I got really lucky on that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so when you're talking about time spent on your page, you could really build that thing out with enhanced brand content and make it, you know, yeah, people are really going to spend a lot more time on that type of a listing. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right, cool. So what have we not talked about? Cause there, I know there's, you could probably talk about this specific story for hours. There's just so much going on. Um, Tell us, I mean, what have I not asked? That's really cool. Um, yeah, so I guess you, you never asked about, um, I guess just the way that I look at opportunities. So like, the, I know a lot of people think that Amazon is dead and that you can't start and, and, and become successful really fast, but you, you can, but um, you got to do the hard work that nobody else is willing to do. You gotta go where nobody else will go. So like, where the more barriers to entry there are in a market, the more I'm excited to go into that because like, there's gonna be less people there. So there's like, I, I was just looking yesterday, like I was making a video just to show people about how I do product research and evaluate opportunities. Um, and I found, over six extremely profitable products. Like I found one that um, was selling 2000 units a day with zero reviews yesterday. Um, like there's these markets, they're out there and they're really easy, but guess what? Like, um, I, I don't know. I guess if I had to say one thing, like seasonal, you can just kill it. It's so easy. Like I saw a video viral yesterday on Facebook. It got over 3 million views in less than like 12 hours. And it was Christmas suits. Like, look up Christmas suits and hit jungle scout right now or some other ones. Uh, like another one that you, you, you like check out, I'm posting a video on my YouTube of like how I did this and stuff, but like family Christmas pajamas, go ahead and put that on jungle scout or in Amazon hit jungle scout. You're going to see crazy numbers with no reviews. Like you might only make money in two months, but who cares? Like I did 6 million on eclipse glasses. 
and like yeah it doesn't, it's not making eclipse sales right now but cares. Yeah. I've, I've talked about this in the past seasonality. You know, if you can find seasonal products, you can crush it. It was one of the, the reasons why we added the trends graph, uh, within our helium 10 Chrome extension. So when you're looking at products, guys, um, you can go in there and look at the year and you'll see those spikes. You'll see the BSR will be really high. And then suddenly, bam, a certain month, it just drops down. And it's like, in you know, the top 50 or, or whatever. Um, and that could be an opportunity for you. If you plan out like Brock has done in advance, you started, you know, planning the solar eclipse stuff, you know, not a month before, not two months before, but way earlier, you know, and looking at the data. I think it's super smart how you were looking at, uh, you're using Google Trends to analyze the the pattern that everybody used for all the other things that were seasonal and saying, okay, you know what? There's a curve, right? Everybody starts to ramp up right before. So if I've seen this on seven other things, it's probably going to happen with mine. And then you gear up for that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that, that was one of the things that really led to my success. And then also like a lot of my sales came in at the end for those, those three packs and like, you know, demand's going to change as, as time goes on. And so being able to kind of pr predict and be there, I mean, like nobody else is doing, everybody wants to find the product or, Oh, I can just throw my logo on that and make some money. And then it's passive forever. Well, guess what? Everybody else wants to do that. So there's going to be a competition. It's like, Look at fidget spinners. Maybe you go in, boom, oh, oh money. And then two months later, no money. So you got to find those ways to become unique and like predict and, you know, risk reward. Like that's where, that's where the money's at. Cool. Would you say, I was going to ask you a follow-up question, which is where's the biggest opportunity to make money on Amazon for 2018? Did you just answer that or, or would you have a different answer? Yeah. Well, you know, as private label goes on here, like you're going to have to just find ways to become unique. Uh, so let's say you're, you're going to need to make new molds that like, that's going to be a great way. Like you find somewhere where there's demand and you got to fill a need for the market that doesn't exist there yet, but that matches that keyword. So, I mean, that's the one way to really become successful. And then you can get a patent on that and then you can really lock yourself in for, for 20, 30 years of, of profits. So, I mean, that's going to be the huge and then seasonal, like where are people not doing like, but basically the more, more barriers to entry and just do different ways to think about things or to get like a technological advantage. Um, yeah, that's where I see the biggest ways to be made to, to make money. I mean, Amazon is growing so fast. There's it, it like, but there's these giant Chinese conglomerates out there that are like 200, $300 million. And that's like, they're getting bigger every day. There's like a team out there, what, like Tautronics, they got 5,000 people that are literally just marketing and looking at listings and finding things to private label. Like, how are you gonna compete with that? They've got way better lead times. They've got way better everything. What's gonna make you uniquely, um, like, and there's gonna be 50 of those in the next five years. You're never gonna be able to compete unless you do something where you know specifically about consumer trends and like with their wants or, you know, specifically like you have a technological advantage or mold or patent, you need some protection. You need, you need something like otherwise what makes you different from them? There's 5,000 people in one company. Yeah. Like, I remember Taltronics. I, I've actually purchased some stuff. I think everybody has probably purchased something from Taltronics. It's like, they, you're, I don't know how many thousands of SKUs they have, but they're everywhere. Yeah, exactly. So like, that's, that's just mine is like start to become, um, start to become an, uh, like, I guess more so I say uh, like an entrepreneur, not like a arbitrager. Right. Like. So, so uh, molds, that's really important uh, and really intriguing. A lot of people are like, okay, I would love to create my own custom thing. I have no idea 
I barely know what a mold is. How do I do this? This is what people are thinking. Where do you, where would you recommend they go uh, to, to actually do a mold? Would you do it here in the U S would you do three 3d printing? Would you do something else? Would you get it done in China? Yeah. Yeah. Well, China would be the last place that I go. China would be the end of it, but you got to go and, you know, talk, just go on like Upwork or something. You can get three man. Engineers do not know how to charge for their services. Let me tell you. All right. They are not entrepreneurs. They are engineers and they're smart. You can hire smart people. So you just got to sketch out your idea and get good at communicating with them. Talk to them and then you get some 3D molds, get it 3D printed and then start to A-B test. Like to take it to somebody in your niche market or just look at yourself. Like, does it does it look cool? Like you can hand paint it to make it look like the real thing. And now for a couple hundred bucks, you've got the product there. Like I've seen it like look, go look on Amazon. There's a poop coffee mug and it's killing it. It's been killing it for years. They're making, they're doing thousands of sales a month and they're selling it for like 14 bucks. The cost of this thing is nothing. And they've got a unique place in the market because they made a mold on a product that was already existing. And it's just funny. It was simple stuff like that. Um, like that's where the art, like you got to get more inventive and, and unique. Like if, if it's just going to be an available, if it's basically supply and demand, if it's available on Alibaba to everyone, well, there's not going to be much money to be made there. Like, cause if, if somebody's going to find out about the opportunity, you know? Yeah, absolutely. How many, how many total SKUs do you have right now? Um, right now I've got about four. I had 48 earlier. I'm launching a bunch. Um, and that's, that's where I'm at currently, okay. but I'm, I'm kind of focusing on like, well, I can leverage some other people a lot faster than if I just go and do this myself. So I'm, I'm doing some cash infusions, some grow attacking and Cool. All right. Well, yeah, this has been awesome. Uh, there's been a lot of information. We ha- Again, we had a technical glitch. If you guys notice the audio has changed or anything like that, that's why. But Brock, I'd love to have you back on in the future um, after you, you know, blow up one of these other companies, you know, grow them to wherever they're going to be or you jump into another niche uh, and you dominate. I think it's an interesting story. I think you're an interesting dude. You've got some um, some really uh, interesting ways of doing everything, even to the way you propose uh, to to your lady. So super awesome. Uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, you're also going to be, I know there's been some, uh, you're, you're controversial, uh, even in our, our Facebook group, you know, because you, you push the limits on stuff. <laughs> but if you guys want to reach out to, to Brock, He'll be, we're going to be tagging him in this video in our Facebook group in the FBA high rollers over 20, I think there's about 27,000 Amazon sellers in there. And I'm sure Brock would be happy to answer your questions if you guys post them. So once again, thank you Brock for being on the show and um, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the AM PM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.